Aha, it's me, the Kentucky guy. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Red Pill Current News Podcast. On this episode, we do have a special guest interview with uh, Melissa Lopez. She's a social worker and she is considered herself an independent in the political world. Uh, we have a fascinating conversation about former and current presidents as well as the vaccine, COVID, even immigration. A lot of good discussions on this episode of the Red Pill Current News Podcast. As always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you all. Welcome to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I'm your host, the Kentucky Guy. Hope everybody's having a fantastic day today. I am coming to you live from the beautiful state of Florida, Panama City, Florida. The sun is shining. have a beautiful ocean view in front of me. Hope everything's well where you are. If this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter which platform you're listening to us on, we are on 73 different audio platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and the list goes on. Also, for you wrestling fans and sports fans, I do co-host with Donnie Cage Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We drop two episodes there a week, one every Tuesday and one every Saturday. Also, if this is the first time listening to the show here, we do drop two episodes a week. We do a lot of things. We talk about politics, current events, and we have some very interesting interviews as so for today. If you'd ever like to be a guest on this show or have any questions for myself, you can always email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. That's olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Also in the description below. Uh, is our website as well as our merch shop and all that good stuff. All social media links are listed below, so be sure to check that out. All right, so let's get into today's show. We do have a very special guest uh, with us today, and I want everybody to give me a warm welcome with me. Uh, she is a social worker, and it's Miss Melissa Lopez. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. Hey, thanks so much. And you are uh, my my last guest, uh, Van Buren 20. You are his girlfriend. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. All right. Amazing. So since this is your first time on the show, can you go ahead and give us a little bit of background about yourself? Uh, yeah, definitely. So um, I work in social services. I help uh, people apply for food stamps, Medicaid, child care, and TANF programs. Um, in Ohio. Um, I've been doing that for about four years. Um, and I mostly actually do that in Spanish. Um, and then I also help people who are limited English proficiency. Um, and then when I'm done with that, uh, if there's anybody on the English lines, I help, uh, I help those clients. Um, before I did that, I was mostly in sales. Um, but I grew up in DC, like right outside of DC. So like politics was, is kind of like, what I grew up with, with like my, my culture. So I, um, I really enjoy having good hearty conversations about, about politics. So you are uh, pretty fluent in Espanol then? That is correct. Yes, oh. I am fluent. I can speak it. I can write it. I can read it. Oh, wow. Fantastic. All right. So you grew up in DC and we were talking a little bit of, uh, before the show started and you call yourself an independent now. Uh, but you were yep. telling the story that at one time you, you considered yourself a liberal, like a left, and now you're uh, uh, independent. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that transformation? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, growing up in D.C., I mean, you're just really surrounded by politics. I mean, you can't you can't get away from it. So um, and in, especially in the part that I'm from, um, 
I'm actually from Northern Virginia, but I say DC because it's easier for people to put like a reference in their mind. Um, but being outside of it, like really five miles south of DC is, is basically DC, right? Um, so um, I had a lot of diverse culture around me growing up, lots of different people, lots of different food, lots of just lots of diversity. Um, and I mean, most of the, most of the mindset of everyone around me was very liberal was like, you know, let people do what they want as long as they're not hurting each other. You know, we should respect everyone's space and if they want to do this or whatever, which, you know, is true. But at the same time, there should still be boundaries and limitations. But as I got older and moved away from DC and especially actually, uh, after being in a relationship with Van Buren 20, um, I've kind of definitely shifted my mindset. Um, because I, it's become very clear that like the government is out of control. <laughs> They just are. And um, this administration for sure. Well, the problem for me, I think, is actually on both sides. And I've said this to Van Buren 20 many times that neither side has anything, in my opinion. They don't do anything to actually fix anything. What they do is they point fingers at each other and they're like, oh, it's their fault. No, it's their fault. No, they don't want to do it. So it's just a bunch of back and forth. And the, there's no, no actual relevant change that happens. There's just a bunch of bickering. Um, what about the previous administration, though? They did a lot so, of things they promised. So it's when we talk about politics, it's not necessarily just one administration or the other that shapes where we're at. I mean, really, when you look at the history of what of what this country is at at this point, it, I mean, it's decades that you have to take into account. It's not just the Trump administration and the Biden administration. I mean, no one does everything that they say they're going to do. I'm not a fan of Biden. I'm not a fan of Trump. Um, mm -hmm. I honestly want someone completely different to come into the picture and actually lead. Like I'm actually a really big fan of DeSantis. I think that, <laughs> No, for real, because like his pedigree and his history, he is a Harvard graduate, Harvard Law graduate, okay? He went to Yale. He played for um, the, the softball team at Harvard. Um, he is a married man stuck by his wife while she had breast cancer. He's got three kids. He made Florida, like everybody doubted his leadership with Florida throughout the pandemic, and Florida is thriving. Um, they've had more people move down into Florida than move out during the pandemic. You know, everyone thought he was crazy for keeping things open and, and not enforcing mask mandates and what have you. And Florida's doing great, you know, and, and a, a lot of parts of the country were shut down. Uh, kids couldn't go to school. You know, things are things were just really in a bad, dark place. That was what it's like here in Ohio. But then you look at Florida and they're, they're thriving, you know. So I think he really has done something really, really right. Um, and he's leading that part of the country in a way where other people need to take notice. Like he, he states that he thinks about the citizens and leads with the citizens in mind, not thinking like they're servants of his. The, the, you know what I mean? The Sanders cannot win the presidency right now. He's not ready. Well, now, so, now Texas is the same way. They didn't do the lockdowns either. And mm -hmm. let's be honest. If you go back and it sounds like you've done some research on DeSantis. If you go back when he first ran for governor of Florida, he was actually losing and was going to lose if Trump wouldn't have came in and backed him. So, yeah, I mean, let's let's put, you know, let's call apples apples and oranges oranges. Uh, DeSantis, he worries me a little bit because mainstream media wants him to run and be the GOP candidate. And the reason why is because they know he can't win. He so, well, here's the thing. I think that he, for me... Like I said, the history of DeSantis, he's extremely intelligent. He's very articulate. I've watched his speeches. Uh, I've, I'm reading his book actually right now, Courage, The Courage to Freedom. Uh -huh. um, and he is just such a well-spoken individual. And he stays, for me, he stays on task. He doesn't make... Uh, 
he doesn't bring his feelings and he doesn't put down things the way let's say Trump would like I am not a fan of Trump for many reasons but one of the biggest things is, is I feel like Trump takes low blows and it comes off to me almost very unprofessional whereas if you take a look if you just compare the two speeches like you can put them to like watch one speech and watch the other there's a very big difference. Like I love listening to DeSantis. He makes, he makes valid points when he speaks. Um, he doesn't go and try to like purposely upset people or use fear mongering tactics. He sticks to facts and he has a clear position on things and he makes clear, concise points and what he has to say overall, the message comes across very well. Whereas sometimes I really can't even follow Trump and he like jumps all over the place and, and tries to make metaphors that for me just don't have anything to do with actually what the problem would be or, or what the point would be. So I, I'm, I think that, DeSantis is too intelligent. I don't think that he would play a second fiddle because I heard things like, oh, Trump might have DeSantis as his running mate to be a vice president. Um, but I don't, I just don't see that happening because I feel like DeSantis is just much, much more intelligent. And I feel like he would lead the country in a much better way I, than Trump. I would. think you give that guy too much credit. Uh, and yeah, he should <laughs> team up with Trump. That's the only way he's going to get in office. Uh, to be honest with you, when it comes to Washington, his wife, I don't know how much research you've done on her. Uh, she is actually a better speaker uh, than he is. And she's actually Donald, one of Donald Trump's best friends, by the way. So, oh, yeah, no. I, mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, there's there's a number of things. Now, I'll be honest with you. People can say, oh, Trump's brash and he's, uh, you know, he's 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 rough on people. I really think the fight we're in right now and we're in a fight. This is a war. It's not with guns and tanks, but this is a war we're in right now to save our country. And you got to have somebody tough and tough skin. We're talking about a guy who stood up to the UN when he was in office. You know, and here's a guy, you know, you talk about the the right or the left not standing behind what they say. Well, let's look at just a couple of facts uh, real quick. Uh, when Trump was in office, right, he was uh, more Americans were being employed than ever. Nearly 160 million jobless claims. Uh, hit a nearly 50-year low, and that's people claiming unemployment. Unemployment rates for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, Natives, and so forth were higher than they've ever been and reached all-time lows, people with disability. Unemployment for women hit its lowest rate in nearly seven year, 70 years, lifted nearly 7 million people off of food stamps. So, and I mean, that's just that's just touching on a few things. I mean, he created 1.2 million manufacturing and construction jobs. Uh, he put in policies in place to help, you know, records. Uh, we hit record high stock market numbers uh, and record number 401ks. And now, you know, every day you hear the stock market is going down and almost crashing. And you hear that we're all in danger of losing our 401k. So, yeah, I can't really say it's both sides. Don't do what they say. Don't get me wrong. There, I don't. I have never met a true blue, honest politician. But uh, when you say MAGA, that all that means is make America great again. Who wouldn't want that America to be first if you live here? So here's the thing. I, I'm. I was thinking about how to address that that particular um, saying because I had touched on that with with Van Buren twenty with Sean a couple nights ago. And, um, so that let's, let's be real with the history here with, with the United States. Okay. Um, sure. th this country was built on, on stealing it from native Americans. Okay. That's, that's literally how this country started. Then we shift a couple hundred years and we brought over, well, we, not me, but the colonists brought over, uh, slave labor and, and then forced other humans to build a society for free and if they didn't they would be met with violence with horrible acts upon their women uh, right all kinds of we, we, we made a lot okay. of mistakes at the beginning you're right uh -huh. right so so then then moving forward it took you know legislation from abraham lincoln to start this the change of you know freeing slaves and then even moving forward more a couple more hundred years it still took us back in, until the 60s to desegregate um, our our society, like it was illegal for 
for people from different races to marry, you had to have separate pools, separate water fountains. When, when now fast forward to like even 20 years ago, maybe, maybe 30 years ago, science has proven that we all, no matter what color we are, we share 98% the same DNA with every other human that's on this planet. There's literally never been a valid reason to have to have separate anything. Okay. So when we're talking about the term, make America great. Like who, who does that actually refer to that America's never really been great for anyone, but the colonists and their descendants who came here. So I, I personally think that that's kind of like a real pigeonhole saying, and, and it really focuses on one specific group of people. When, what we really need to focus on is like making it, I don't want to say making it great again, because it's been really hard for a lot of people. So it should just be, let's make it great for everyone. So, so that, so yeah, that's a pretty far left thing you're saying right there. So look, when make America great again, basically is not referring all the way back to when you're talking about, it's referring back to late, uh, early history, which is the Ronald Reagan days, right? There was no segregation or anything back then. And money was flowing and everything was good. Jobs were not leaving the U.S. So that's basically what he means. It, what, what that saying means, look, if I was the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, I would want my saying to be Russia first, Russian people first. If I was the president of Israel, I would want my people first. That's all this is. People read way too much and there's not, there's nothing racism whatsoever about making America great again. Nothing. And it's, and it, you're going way too far back, way too far back. And you're putting words in, uh, whoever come up with that slogan's mouth, because that's not, that's not correct. Well, so, and that, but that's what I'm like, for me, that's the, the connotation that it strikes for me, because like, I understand that in that time and that place, the best part of America that the people that were affected the best about it was not everybody. It was a specific one set subset group of people, but that doesn't mean that we can't all have success. And the thing about the Reagan things went downhill after the Reagan administration, because the middle class started to uh, decline. And you know why that is, is because the tax rates for the 1% they started to slash it. There was a tax overhaul. So all the extra money that was coming in to the government to fund middle-class ventures, schools, after-school programs, things that really help develop people, you know, especially at a young age, all of a sudden that money starts to get cut. Those funds are no longer available. So if we can't bolster our society from, from the middle, from the lower and the middle rungs up, of course, things are going to collapse. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest issues that our country faces is that we are not taxing the 1% the way they should be taxed. Um, right now, I think they're at a 21% tax rate. Honestly, uh, with if you make more money, you, sh- you should be able to give more money to help your economy. Like, I don't know anyone who's going to like a billionaire. Let's say you have $900 billion. Are you really going to go through all of that in one lifetime? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's, it's almost immoral to have that much amount of money. And in this country, the rate of children who go home, go to bed hungry is one in one in five children in the United States of America go to bed hungry. They don't but Melissa, have a meal. if I get out here and I bust my butt and I make millions of dollars because of the sweat off my brow, what right do you have to my money? I don't understand. Right. So, so because we're all a society, we're all a culture. We all right. I'll pay together. the same part you do. And, right. um, but when people, people like me, let's say who I make $40,000 a year, I should not be taxed at the same rate as someone who's making uh, $45 million Why? a year. 45 because they have more. Yeah, but I got it. But I, because but I they have that. more. It's not my fault you didn't take a different road and make more in a year. No. It's not my fault. So why am I being penalized? That, that argument makes zero sense. Why are you going to penalize me? Because, you, because I got out here and busted it's not my a, butt or got a better education than the next person and was able to make more money, like a million dollars a year to their 40,000. Why are you going to penalize me? What, what did I do? 
I'm just trying to make America, so it's, you know, make a living, the land of the free and opportunity. Right. So for me, I don't see it as a penalty or like uh, a bad thing to give back to your community. That's one thing that I don't see. That's like where, where I differ from the right. For me, when I hear about those like types of uh, counterclaims, it, um, I feel like it comes from a very like self-centered position actually, like as if we're not all in this together i i have a very uh what's it called altruistic i have a very altruistic view of how i wish the world to be so actually if you um, look a little bit and do some research your left politicians are the ones who have more billionaires in them than the right these days it used to be the other way around but it's kind of flip-flop over the last 10 years Oh, listen, don't get me wrong. Like all of the politicians, all of them on both sides, none of them are in it to help their constituents. All of them, all of them are in it to, 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 to fatten their, most of them are in it to fatten their pocket and to make sure that they're set up for success. Um, and, and that's their most important goal because if the politicians that we have in office actually wanted to get stuff done, they would get it done. Like they would, they would figure out a middle ground, something that works for both sides and, and things would change. Like for example, okay. The minimum wage in the country on the federal level is $7 and 25 cents an hour. Okay. In Ohio, it's something like $10 and 10 cents, something like this. Okay. So that's a little bit better, but even still at $7 and 25 cents an hour, no one can afford a one bedroom apartment anywhere in the country at 40 hours a week. That's insane. Like people need to get paid a livable wage. I like, that I just don't understand. It's since July seventh, I think two thousand nine was the last time the minimum wage was was raised. Nobody can live off of that. Nobody and anybody who's working a forty hour work week at a at a legitimate job, regardless of whether it's McDonald's or Best Buy or whatever, what have you, they should be able to at least put a roof over their head, at the very least. Um, and then actually, so you said something really important about opportunities. Not everyone has the same opportunity to go to college and to get themselves in a better position. The way that our education system, our higher education system is set up, by the time you graduate college, if you are not able to afford it, you're racking up hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, which right there will stop you from being able to buy a home, get certain credit cards or loans for anything. Your credit is directly impacted by the student loans that you took out to be able to get a, a, a piece of paper to try to get a higher paying job. Um, like, well, there, there's, there's a lot so of programs where you can get money and not have to pay it back to I've got a daughter, daughter in college right now. So, Oh no. Yeah. FAFSA. There are, I've, I've done it myself. I've tried. So I don't have a degree. Um, when I was younger, I tried to go to school. I tried to go to college but I, um, I was not in the headspace. I was not mature enough. I could not handle uh, the responsibility and the discipline it took to go to school and, and dedicate myself to studying at that point in my life. Um, so I just, I just couldn't do it. I was not in the mental state. Now, fast forward 20 years later, I'm, I'm in a much better mind space. And I went, uh, got a couple, I'm like literally nine, nine credits away from getting an associate's degree. Um, and I, I did the majority of my studying through a community college here in Cleveland. Um, but then I moved to Ashtabula and then now I transferred to a more, um, a public school and the tuition is literally like five times more. And I just, I can't afford it. I can't have extra debt tacked on to my credit to be able to finish these, those last four or five classes that I need to take. I just can't do it. And I want to go in and I want to get an IT degree because IT is where it's at. That's going to give you like 60 grand a year minimum out the door. Like as soon as you walk out the door with that degree, you you have a, a nice, a, a nice high paying job. And it only goes up from there because IT, the uh, IT industry is in desperate need of people who can code who can um, make sure that the, the firewalls and everything are secure, that they stop other people from hacking into their system. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really uh, growing industry uh, that they need a lot of people in. 
but I just can't do it. I'm not, I can't afford to do that. I have bills to pay. I have a child to take care of. I have a, a, another full-time job. I have a full-time job that I do. So how can I fit time into my schedule to go to this class? And then on top of that, have to pay exorbitant amounts of money. I had FAFSA, but the FAFSA only lasts for so long. After that, you have to either pay that, pay that out of your own pocket or get loans. To pay I guess for the it depends on school. how long you go to school for. Uh, so yeah, se- seventeen states that too. out of uh, fifty states, uh, minimum wage is seven and a quarter. Seventeen out of the fifty. Uh, the mm-hmm. average after that is around twelve dollars and twelve dollars an hour. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. That's good. That's better. But uh, on the federal level, we need to bring it up to at least twelve. Well, Honestly, at least oh. fifteen on the federal level to make it so all across. The you know board. what happens when you, you know, do that. When you bring that up to 15, that's a Joe Biden thing, by the way. He tried to do that a couple years ago. When you bring that up to $15 an hour, you have your businesses then take their full-time employees, make them part-time, and you actually start losing jobs because the businesses can't afford it. So that's actually, that's, that's, a, a, myth. that's, that's a myth that's been It's not a myth. Um, I've got repeated. facts on it. It's not a myth. So, um, I mean, I've heard that before, but like uh, also... Uh, when you pay people a more uh, livable wage, when you pay people more, you you get more out of them. You just do. It's been proven that when you invest in your employees and your labor, you get a return of three times I think, what you invest. I think a happier a employee does do a better job, more productive. Absolutely. But absolutely, but when you have when you run a business, right? And I'm not talking about a major like McDonald's. I'm talking about just a regular mom and pop business, and you got to pay the rent. Hey, I've been there. Pay the lights, keep the lights on and everything. You are not going to have full-time employees if you have to pay them $15 an hour. It's just not going to happen. And therefore, there's going to be a lot of job openings. It's not a myth. I can send you data on it. It's not a myth. So, um, I, I would love to see it. That would, yeah, that would be great. Um, the... Uh there was a couple of companies. I gotta, I gotta look it up again, but it was here in the United States. Um, this guy... He took his company and he, I don't remember, I think it was like 20 or 50 employees, something like that, raised the salaries of everyone across the board to something like 45000 a year, gave them like uh, partnership benefits to like they were part owners of the company. Um, I don't, I think it was like a printing business or something. I have to double check. I should have done more research on that um, before because I, I forgot about it, but he invested in his employees, okay? Or 50, like, like I said, like 50. So not too big. It's not a huge company, right? And literally his profits skyrocketed. His, his, his business f- tripled from what I re- remember. So it, it, if he, I think if he was driving would... in order to do something <laughs> like that, you know, God bless him. I'm glad he was able to do that for his employees. But I'm saying as a whole, that's just one-off situations there. As a whole, to pay your employees and give them partnership, I mean, you have to be doing awful well to uh, do something like that. And that's great. He was in that position. But we're not just talking about one or two companies. We're talking about, you said on the federal level, raise minimum wage to 15. That affects every single business in the United States. That's crazy. There's no way that can happen. No way. Right. So, but I... what I think would would end up happening is we would find we would have a shift, right? So it would go from, you know, maybe certain jobs that don't need full time status, they'll be fully staffed. And then the people who do need full time workers, there will be plenty of opportunities for people to have that type of job that they need. Like, you know, not everyone needs to go to, to work full time. Some people have can do go to school like part time and work part-time, you know? So I feel like that would still have, you would still have opportunities to find the right job for you. And at the same time, you'd still be able to afford a a decent place to live, a one bedroom apartment and put some food on your table. Um, Because the way things are right now, like that's why people don't go to work. It's not that they're lazy or that they were used to unemployment benefits being handed out. It's because it really doesn't make any, like it, it's not enough. It's not enough to spend 40 hours, 40 hours of your life during a week. That's, that's nine to five. That's a whole day. You know, you were going to spend a whole day doing something where you can't even afford to like go to the movies or buy yourself groceries. No one's going to be, no one's going to be incentivized to do that. You don't think Um, that people not working right now, right in this day and time, not, not 
in the past or in the future right now is because of the freak unemployment amounts we were paying last year and through this COVID? Uh, so, so I, I don't think that's <laughs> the main reason. And because people have always, they've always struggled. There's always been a struggle with work. Um, the whole pandemic thing, no one could have anticipated that. Um, and, you know, for those who I, I was blessed that I never had to go on unemployment. Thank God I was able to keep my job. They switched us to a remote environment. So I kept working throughout the whole pandemic. Like I never got $1 of unemployment um, benefits. And as a matter of fact, I was on the inside part of it where people had to report to me when they did get unemployment because that would make a change in their eligibility for food stamps. So I was firsthand seeing how many people were getting it. And from my experience, once those benefits ended, people were calling in in an influx to report that, okay, yeah, I found new work. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. So, okay, um, so I, I was in the same shape. I did not have to apply for unemployment or draw it. Uh, during that time. But but here's the thing. I know of several, not one or two, but several people who are self-employed and have good businesses who shut their businesses down because they could make more money drawing unemployment from the government during that time than they could running their own business. They shut them down. I'm talking about major like car garages and things like that. I mean, and as far as a fluctuation of people going back to work once uh, that was over with, of course, there was a lot, but still nowhere would need it. That's what Biden claims that he made new jobs. And all that is, is people going back to work after being on unemployment for a year and a half. Right. So, yeah, I'm sure that the, the that crossover does exist and there's a lot of that happening. Um but, you know, the thing with unemployment, too, is that it has a time limit, you know, that it's not for forever. They can't just have it until they die. Um, there's a set amount that is set aside that they're able to access. And once that's tapped yeah, dry, it's, it's, that's it's one it. year it's like, in the state of Kentucky. Sure. But, however, that ban was lifted mm -hmm. in all states during COVID. You could draw it as long as they wanted to. Oh. Yeah, Biden well, kept signing it um, every other quarter, if you remember extending it right but the, yeah but then i re i remember like september 4th 2021 that was the that was the last time that the that they gave those pandemic 2021 like that extra <laughs> 2021 whatever yeah, it was over a year later right yeah yeah but so but it stopped though that's the, the thing the, it's like it the did the stimulus it, it did checks stop. the unemployment um, craziness is why we have this crazy inflation right now so when you look at corporate profits, though, let's take a, a step back and look at sure. a little bit of a bigger picture here. Um, corporate greed is out of control. When you look at companies like oil, the oil industry, um, utilities, different things like that, they are making record profits. And, and that's not necessarily because of unemployment or stimulus checks. It's because corporations are making hand over fist in exorbitant amounts of money and they want more. Okay. And how do they get more by charging the customers more? So it happens to be that we're in this situation where inflation has gone up the most it has ever gone, but it, ha you have to look at That's a who is getting that money. Where is that? Where is that money going to? It's going to corporations. It's not going into necessarily any any political party's pocket. Now there is there is a little overlap where you know there's there's uh, campaign contributions to certain parties and what have you, but the majority of that money is going into corporations' pockets, and they're keeping that money for themselves. You sound, uh, for you sound just like your boy Biden. Okay, look. Uh, so, uh, oh. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really listen. I don't listen to, are you, uh, to him, are you, honestly. Uh, so are you saying that so, the gas companies are the reason why I'm paying $5 a gallon of gas rather than $1.89? Oh, um, that has a big, big, oh, big impact Oh, come on. Come on. Um, it's yes, because absolutely. we were energy independent. Absolutely. And we didn't have to get gas from Russia or anywhere else. And we were paying $1.89. And you're telling me that, oh, well, Trump's gone now. And Biden wants to cut off the pipeline. So wait a minute, though. No, that's not it. The gas companies suddenly got real greedy and want. Come on, come on. We know the reason. We know the reason. No, no. 
So it's it's not that they've suddenly got a dollar eighty nine to five dollars. Like that's what they're all, that's that's and here's the other thing that you have to keep in mind too. So with gasoline and fossil fuel energy, we only have a we certain have more amount than anyone to draw else. from. And once we <laughs> no no, but I mean I mean all over I mean all over the planet. Okay, like we only have so much, and once it's tapped dry, that's it. So as you become more dependent, as you draw more from whatever's left, your your um. Inventory becomes Let me ask smaller, you a question. smaller, right? Do you, so, do you so, watch so, CNN? MSN? No, I don't really watch cable. I don't okay. have cable, so like I don't. All right. So no, I don't what really I want you to do, sorry, I don't want um, to interrupt, but what I want you to do is when you get a chance, I don't watch them either, mainstream media, but it's but a lot of the things that you say are coming from there somehow. Okay, so I want I want you, I want you. To, yeah, oh. it's not, it's not <laughs> that's good, funny though, because they lie to us all the time. So anyways, when you get a chance, do some research, do your own research, and find out how many thousands of years, just in the United States, thousands of years we have in reserves on fossil fuels, gas, and all that good stuff. Just when you get a chance, do some research, because uh, you'll find that your tone might change just a little bit, just a little bit, because really, uh, all that does is just cause a lot of family hardship when they take away stuff like that. Yeah, no, um, I'm actually, I really, really hope that we become more, We so I was doing some research on like alternative energy uh, uh-huh. solutions um, because I know that we can't be dependent on gas and combustion and all that for the rest of humanity. It's just not feasible. We, and we're a very intelligent species. I mean, we've created so many things over the last hundred years. I mean, the time that we live in is absolutely incredible. Um, so it, it just, it's only a matter of time before we find a way to be able to transport ourselves in a way where it's a renewable source of energy, where it's not damaging our, our, our planet and where it's affordable for all of us, you know, and one of the things that I came across was hydrogen powered cars and those do exist. And you know what the, uh, what the, uh, exhaust comes, what, what the exhaust is from a hydrogen powered car, it's water vapor. Like that's incredible. Like that's literally, that means that there's no combustion. There's no, uh, extra like polluting particles coming out where it's damaging our atmosphere it's literally just water vapor and the reason why we haven't really um this hasn't become mainstream is because it's a little bit expensive to to get the to get it going in a mass production type way but anything really is going to take a significant amount of investment because we're so dependent on the things that we've got going right now um but I think that we need to focus on figuring out different ways because we can't, it's not fair. Like I can't, I can't stand that I have to pay what I pay in gas. I remember when it was a dollar 89, I was like 15 no, or 16 no, no. years old, but I remember 16. it. This is, I'm, I'm talking 2020. <laughs> I was. was. It, it wasn't a dollar 89, maybe here. for like two weeks. At, it was here. <laughs> it was right around two bucks. I mean, okay. No, no, no. I mean, I, we, we actually I, went out and took screenshots. I think, okay, so. Times. When they first elected Biden to show the difference yeah, I, between now and then. So. No, so I, okay, so I remember, so I moved to Cleveland in 2014. And I think so, oh, technically, I think Obama was president at that point. Um, uh, or right around there, because I did take a picture of the sign. I did see it say 199. And I hadn't seen it say 199 in a long time, because it was still like around $2, two something. Actually, um, I missed that. That was a I'm long time picture. ago. It was 289. Um, Sorry. That's still double. It's still double now, but okay, right, right, right. So, so I'm like yeah, one eighty nine. I'm like I, that's a long time ago. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean I don't like. I can't stand it. Um, but we're dependent on it. We are, and the problem is that we don't have any other options, I, and we need to find other. I do options believe that because there's going to be another out there. energy source. I do believe that, and it's going to come. And I think that. Uh, Maybe somebody in the world has already found it. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. But I think it's coming. It's not electric cars are not the answer. They're just too expensive. You cannot. You. You. The you batteries can't get are, the grid are very expensive right to now. Anyways, like, and it's not uh, uh, the uh, windmills or whatever. It's not that those are horrible to our animals, kills birds and what have you. So. But there is an alternative energy out there, I believe, and it's going to come. It's going to come. You're right. You can't do 
fossil fuels and that forever. However, in the time being, instead of depending on dictatorship countries like Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, and what have you, to buy our gas, why not just do it yeah. here when we have it for thousands and thousands of years? And here's a, and they talk about the Green yeah, Deal, well, right? You know, well, let's make, you know, we want to keep uh, the U.S. and the world clean. Well, as far as I know, what's the difference in drilling right. in Saudi Arabia and then drilling in California? That's still part of the world. That's, that's still part of the world. And yeah, no, that's a we good do point. it more cleaner and we have more regulations than anywhere else. So, therefore, we're actually better to do it here for the environment than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good, that is a good valid point. You know, fracking is a very messy, messy uh, deal and it disrupts all kinds of ecosystems and wildlife and uh you know all of that that you can't you can't take back so but i guess like you, i mean that that is a good point if you're going to be fracking and dr drilling somewhere might as well i guess be here so that if that lessens the cost and it's cleaner at least you get a little reprieve so let me ask you a question um, during covid did you get the uh jab so yeah so that's one of the other things that i have like uh changed my mind about so you did get the jab kind yes. of being with sean now um, are you are you gonna I, get the I did now, i did get the jab i'm i'm not i i'm not um it's been my personal experience so my biggest thing is that okay i believe vaccines work this however what we have here is a covid quote-unquote vaccine right. is not a vaccine okay a vaccine actually stops you from getting it, stops you from spreading it. So, for example, mumps, measles, rubella, polio, chickenpox, okay, HPV, all of those vaccines that are right. out there are actual vaccines, okay, that actually work. This COVID, whatever that's out there, this what they label a vaccine is not because it doesn't stop you from getting it and it doesn't stop you from spreading it. So they are misinforming the whole the whole vaccine. I feel duped. I'm going to be honest with you. 1000%. I feel tricked that I was I, I I was scared, honestly, from everything that I had seen. Like I don't watch uh, I don't have cable, but at the time uh, I would scroll through Facebook and there would be news articles and little video clips and all this other stuff. And all of it is just, it was like, you're going to die. <laughs> like you're going to die. You know, like this is the right. worst thing that's ever going to happen to you and you're going to die. So it really had me scared. Okay. And then, so I got the shot or whatever. Um, and I still got COVID. I still got COVID. Let me tell you, the first time I had COVID was the worst experience I've ever had, okay, with the shot. So when they say like, oh, it's going to lessen your symptoms, it didn't lessen mine. I can tell you that right now, it did not lessen mine because I had the body aches. I uh, had the, sh the, sh the chills. Um, I had uh, a fever, a runny nose, a sore throat, a cough. Uh, I lost my sense of smell and taste, like all of it. I went through all of it. And it was the most miserable time, okay? And Sean doesn't have, he never got the shot, the, the jab. And got, he, he I, took I it like a champ. Shot. I got COVID. Like, like, and uh, the worst thing I had was a sore throat. Yeah. Like, it's it's incredible to me. Like, Diane, my daughter, my daughter Diane, she never, I, I'm not going to make her take any COVID vaccine. Right. I just refuse to do it. Um. So she, so she's like, you know, uh, unvaxxed and she got it around Thanksgiving last time, uh, last year. And her worst part was that she was really tired and she had a headache and she slept for like the first day that she got it. And then after yeah, that, that she was that's right. pretty when much I fine. Had a sore throat okay. And, and fatigue. so I was very fatigued. Yeah. You know, and, and I was like in awe, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow. Like I literally felt like I was dying and Diane just went to sleep and she's like already better. It was insane, the difference. And I'm the one that's vaxxed. Um, so I, I'm not a fan of it at all. And I know that there's a, like a new vaccine that's out or whatever. That's like a one shot that the FDA has approved. Uh, I'm absolutely not getting it. And, and I would not, uh, I would not advise anyone else to get it either because it's literally like, it's at the point now where it's like a flu. It's like a cold. That's what, right. that's what COVID is. You, it's basically uh, a cold. I'm going to be honest with you on my thoughts. COVID was a controlled issue. 
and that the it, it it came from the Wuhan lab, and and it and our government used it to it control did. us. Yep, keep us six feet away, keep us in our homes. I mean, everybody has their own opinions, and that's fine. The vaccine, I feel, especially if you got multiple shots, like they that like they were requiring at one time, was kind of a depopulation for them. And I'll tell you why. If you look around, so many young people who got two shots and a booster, most of them, if you do your research, young athletes in shape, no pre-existing conditions, are dropping dead. Why? That's why. That's the one thing they have in common. They, they've gotten both COVID shots and a booster. Go ahead. Yeah, th- Right. I've, I've read different reports that, you know, seemingly healthy individuals who had no problems before now all of a sudden are getting a lot of different issues pop up, even sometimes, uh, yeah. I guess, uh, fertility issues for women. I know Sean has a friend that he's worked with for decades who was perfectly healthy and then he got these shots and now all of a sudden it seems like he's been sick every other month, every couple months. He just can't really seem to just be healthy for long stretches of time so i mean i'm like i said i feel duped i really do feel duped that um that i got the shot because who knows like i'm basically a guinea pig you know we're, we're not going to know what's really going to happen until decades down the line if it's going to affect me in, in any adverse way i it certainly didn't help me with covid so you know um, I regret it a hundred percent, but I, I really believe that the science was, was what it was because in, when you have an actual vaccine that actually works, then the, then the points that were, they, that I was reading actually do make sense. Like with mump, mumps, they measles, rubella, polio, it, those types of things. They were uh, saying, they were saying that it would work, but you know, well, it, no. well it was, and now they're backtracking on everything. They're saying, right. no, 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 we were wrong. It doesn't work. I mean, even out of Fauci's own mouth now, who should right. be in prison, you know. So the like the the big uh, eye opener for me was recently Johnson and Johnson even put out like their their findings at the time of the pandemic when they were creating this virus that they knew they knew that it wasn't something that could uh, cure well, do it. Do you or remember? Stop it, hold on one second. Do you it remember anyway. Johnson and Johnson um, tried to push that, put those findings off? For 30 years. Do you remember that? And then the Supreme Court made them put that oh, out. No, That's why we're that. able to see that now. Yeah. I did not know about that. But yeah, when I read that, I was I was floored. I was like, wow. You know, so I'm very skeptical. And again, too, here's another point that I don't think is brought up enough. Like, who, who's making money off of this? That's why that there's such a big push on this, on this COVID uh, vaccine, because the more you pump it out, the more people get it. Somebody is making money off of it. The government's paying these companies, these pharmaceutical companies to create these things and push it out there. And okay, sure. The citizens might not be paying so, for uh, it, but somebody absolutely. is. And they're if getting you go back rich and listen to a few it. episodes ago, uh, I did some research and I got into Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson. And their major share stockholders who are getting rich on this are the same five companies. They are the Rothschilds, the Vanguards, who are your 1% that you were talking about earlier, who actually try to control the world. Your Rockefellers, mm-hmm. they all are the main shareholders oh, yeah. in these pharmaceutical companies. Now, I've got one last, I've got one last question for you before we uh, That's get out of here. Uh, and I do appreciate you being on the show. I think it's been a wealth of information. Um, how... So what are you oh, looking you, at? Yeah. So did you vote for Biden in 2020? I don't care if you did or not, but did you? Okay. Are you voting for him in 2024? Right, so yes, I did. I did. Yep. Probably not. No, I, I can't. There's just a lot of stuff that's come out and like, oh, my biggest, one of the biggest things that I um, don't agree with is the whole like transgender stuff like coming out here. And my biggest thing is that like kids, kids can't even vote right kids don't even know what they want for dinner and you think that they're gonna know whether they're a boy or a girl like it's ridiculous we really need to put a stop to this like it's it's just out of control like it's never been i don't remember things being like this when i was younger this is something that's just like spun out of control and just blown up over the last couple of years and it 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 needs to stop like so who are you voting for uh i i just don't understand um I really don't know. I think I might just sit this one out um, because I, I'm not, 
I've never been a fan of of Trump, and I really did give him a chance. I really, when he first came on the scene, when he very when his uh, when he was running his campaign before he was president, I'm like, all right, I'll listen to what he has to say. I'm not just going to write him off because he's somebody from TV, whatever. Um, but he did something at one of his rallies that really, really, really struck me the wrong way. And for me, that was pretty much that was that was it for me. He he made fun of a reporter, yeah, who has a, he, a disability. You, um, I guess he he was reporting on something, you, and then he like mocked him right with his hands that. and that stuff. Did happen. And, and that I was actually it for roasted me. him over that. However, he did sincerely apologize multiple times, and uh, he did something for that reporter. I can't remember what, but. Yeah. Oh no. He apologized oh, well, over that. He was. Wrong. I didn't know about he that. He was in the moment. You know, it was a left, uh, far left reporter, and he was in the moment. He shouldn't have done it. There's no excuse for it. Like I said, I on this podcast right here, I roasted him hard over it, and uh, and uh, but he did, and he oh, didn't apologize because wow. of me. <laughs> but he did end up apologizing. Right. Uh, <laughs> and he done something like donated to their charity. He done something like. And I was like, whoa, okay, okay, that's pretty cool. But when Trump first came down the escalator, I was opposite of you. When he first announced president, the only reason why I voted for him the first time was because I thought he was the less of two evils. I didn't want to see Hillary in there. But Mm -hmm. but now... Oh, I would never pick Hillary. uh, No, I'm not a Hillary fan. Sticking behind most of his promises and uh, building the wall and doing things the right way, you know, here's my saying. He was in uh, 12 different lawsuits over the wall before he got it halfway built before they stole the election. If they would have left this guy alone and just let him run the country like they do all other presidents, imagine what else he could have done great for us. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Because they would not leave him alone <laughs> at all. Yeah. So I, yeah. Well, you know, I I just want to touch on immigration. I'm glad you brought that up real just real quick. So because um, I've been doing some research on that and um, the majority of people who actually are here illegally come from visa overstays. So they get their papers legitimately. They're here for whatever reason, tourist visa, student visa, um, whatever, what have you. And they end up staying past the time that they're allowed to stay. That's the, that's actually the majority that, that of people are, that are on who record. are here, quote unquote, illegally. And, um, uh, well, yeah, but I mean, also people who come through the, the border and everything, they still have like, um, here's the thing. they have ways of tracking here's the thing. that Let me too. Fill but, you in on a little bit. Um, I've got a buddy that lives in El Paso on the border. Let me fill you in on a, a something real that makes it may make everything make more sense for you. So these guys are coming through the border and they're not going through border check-ins. They're not they're not all coming through there. Most of these people, this is where your fentanyl, your child trafficking, women trafficking, all happens through the cartel. This is real stuff. These are not their biggest and brightest people coming across. Now, there are several coming across with visas. And doing the right thing. And that's fine by me, actually. I, I, I'm all for that. But I'm talking about the bad eggs that are coming by the hundreds of thousands. Our, our ICE people can't keep up. And in El Paso, uh, Daniel told me that uh, it, they are just overwhelmed and they don't have enough support. And people are just floating by. And they're being by and they have tags now. And the tags on the arm, little kids with tags. And these tags are from the cartel, and it's letting them know if the family's paid or if they haven't paid yet to get them across the border. It's sad. It really is. Right. So here's the thing. So a ma- it's actually the majority of people who come across are actually very peaceful people who the are ones that register. And coming from the where they're from. They're, it's uh, full of... It's No, no, even the ones that aren't, even undocumented people who just cross the border. How, they're how can you, peaceful people. The people who are bad eggs. How can you say a, that when, a, a minority when uh, of one of the uh, illegal immigrants way. just um, raped a girl in Ohio? How, how can you say stuff like that when people are getting killed in their backyards in Texas and places by these illegal immigrants? That they're, the, that they're mainly peaceful? Come on. So because Come on. It, Yes, yes, most most of them are peaceful. And also here here's another thing. Uh crime happens across all cultures, across all races of across all citizenship statuses, all over. It really doesn't matter. So you agree where you that come our from. borders crime should be wide open like they are. Everywhere. Um so 
you know, what I think, here's what I think with immigration, because it hasn't been reformed since 1986. That was the last time any real legislation has been put into place. There's been little bits here and there that have tried to pass through the House and Senate, but for whatever reason, have never gone through, okay? My thought process is we should... So there's a big section of the Midwest that's pretty much empty of the United States, right? I think that we should give people, um, because this really needs to be a humanitarian issue. This is not a criminal issue. We're all humans. And what really, what anybody really wants in their life is they want a good quality of life. They want to be able to have a decent job. They want to be able to provide for their family. They want to have an opportunity to have a roof over their head and hot food in their belly. That's what we all as humans want that's what you know that's the core of uh, of what drives us right and maybe sharing some time with someone you love so let's let's do this why don't we tax quote unquote illegal immigrants why don't we tax them at a higher rate why don't we make them give them uh, an ITN number an employer authorization number or give them residency right force those people to pay a higher tax rate because where do you hit people most? You hit them in their pocket, right? So if you say you come over here, you're going to be given your income. You're going to be giving 30% of your income to the government until you do what you have to do to become a citizen, right? I, I feel like something like that would deter illegal immigration because if you open it up and I'm not saying like open it to whoever, whatever that's no, because obviously there should be a screening process. You know, we need to make sure that if somebody has mental health issues or whatever, they're ticked off somehow and they need to be like, you guys go over here and ha get your specific help that you need over there because that happens everywhere. Mental health is something that is not talked about enough. And it's a very important issue that affects a lot of people, so, uh, but um, tax them at a uh, higher rate. That, I, I mean, mean that's, that's simple that's as that. Make them pay and, more, and, and you great. know? But let's be honest. If you do some digging, you're going to find out that the uh, illegal immigrants, the majority of them, the majority of them aren't paying any taxes at all. <laughs> right. They do. I know they do because businesses hire cheap labor. They pay them cash under the table um, because they they want to they want to increase their profits and decrease their their uh their labor cost, you know, so it's a vicious cycle. It's everything is intertwined. It never, nothing is ever a simple answer, but it, we have to start somewhere. We have to incentivize businesses to, uh, legitimately report when they're, when they're, uh, hiring people and paying out, uh, wages. Okay. Um, and we need to incentivize them to keep comp, keep jobs in the United States. Um, there's so much that needs to change with immigration. And it's it's not just like building. For me, I think it's, like I said, it's a humanitarian issue. We need to get to the core of it and actually make it make sense. Like put in a solution that's going to actually make sense. And it's not, it's not to criminalize people. Making this a crime, obviously, obviously it hasn't but worked. I mean, since 86, they have this, this type of legislation in place in place. People still coming in. They still find a way in criminalizing people to, to not come into this from both sides, from Canada, whatever, from uh, visa overstayers from the border. It don't work. The so wall let's, the maybe, wall maybe let's try a different approach. The wall worked. We had the know? lowest, uh, uh, illegal immigration influx in, in decades. The wall works. Uh, they just, uh, they went away from it. And uh, and the wall was not to keep... Look, I, we're not against their best and honest people and peaceful people like you're talking about. We want those folks. Let them come. But that's not what we're getting. I'm sorry. It's just not. We're getting their thugs, their people released from jail, and not all from Mexico. They're from Ecuador and different places like that. But we're getting thugs. And you can see... All you have to do is turn your television on. You can see them. Well, I mean, I can tell you, like I said, I work, I work directly for health and human services and I, um, I deal with a lot of un undocumented people every day, every day. And not just like from South, South America or Central now, America or Now Mexico, think about it for just a like second. From literally the job that you're in, you help people world. who are low income, right? The people I'm talking about, they got money. They don't need you. They got money. They got drug Correct. money. You know, they, they, they're not going to be calling you. 
Right. But what I'm saying though, is like, I have a lot of people that I talk to. So the majority of the people that I talk to are low income and that's, it's, it's more people who are low income and are good people who are trying to make a decent living and just that, trying to provide for the family. That's more people. That's what I'm saying. The crooks, uh, the drug pushers, they don't need the your other. help. They got money. They're not going to be the ones calling you. You're absolutely right. You're talking to the peaceful people, but that is a small percent of what we get. Very small. But anyways, we are out of time. Once again, Ms. Lopez, uh, love to have you back on the show and uh, continue our conversation. It'd be great. I'd, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, once great. again, thank I, you I so much for fun. joining us today. And uh, like I said, we'll set something up and we'll get you back on real soon. I'd love to finish the conversation, especially on immigration, because I think we're just really getting started there. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a problem. All right, folks, so you've been yeah, listening Thank you so much for having me. I really Loretta appreciate Hill, it. Current News Podcast. With your host, the Kentucky Guy. And as always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you all so very much.